0: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former
1: world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Boobie Gibson. I'm Josh Cree. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland
0: Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. you listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep
1: listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question. With all due respect...
0: This is Sports Power Talk
2: with the latest in sports news.
1: Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champion. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken.
0: In depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the. You plane. know what?
2: <laughs> it's, it's only a game. Why you have to be mad?
1: Just the same old Browns.
2: You know, bro, hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese.
1: Cleveland, this is
2: for you. From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the
0: Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. We are live from the University of Akron, ladies and gentlemen. This is the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is the first episode of Sports Power Talk of the month. It's the June 5th edition of SBT. My name is Jake Moran, your favorite Baker Mayfield supporter and the man behind the desk hosting today's show. Let me introduce my guests. First, he's a great USC mind, trains in Muay Thai, and is the founder of the developing Alex Henry Sportsbook. It is Alex Henry. Good morning, everyone. Wow. Yeah, the mics are <laughs> off <rough> this morning. <laughs> Holy crap. Ho- hopefully, it's not too bad. And my second guest, my rival here at WZIP Sports, it is the no good, very bad, terrible take Heat fan. His name is Logan Congrove. I'm a Heat Lifer forever, man. I think your mic might be the best today, actually. That's a good thing. We'll see what happens. You want to hop on Logan's mic, Alex? Yeah. We're, what we're doing? We're going to share a mic today. All right. That actually sounds a lot better. Okay. Hopefully it does to everybody else as well. <laughs> All right. Now that you know who we are, let me break down what we have in store for you all today. At 1230, we will wrap up the show with our MLB segment where we break down the biggest storylines in baseball, introduce our players of the week, and talk about the latest within the Guardians organization. In an hour, we will have a pleasant roast of Logan Congrove. So please stay tuned for that as we break down the NBA playoffs. In half an hour at 1130, we will cover the Cavs as they underwent a bit of a rebranding this week. We'll share our thoughts, get your thoughts via Around the Rue and more. But let's kick it off with a sport that usually makes tons of headlines during its offseason. Not many this week, but still enough going on in the NFL world to discuss the madness that is football. We'll start with some players who hung up their cleats. Took off their jerseys for the first time and walked away from the sport they spent their whole lives playing and getting better at. The following players have announced their retirement from the National Football League. We have Alex Mack, Frank Gore, Stefan Tuitt, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's start with Alex Mack, though, shall we? Seven-time Pro Bowl center in 13 seasons played. Played with the Browns as well. What do you guys think of Alex Mack
1: finally calling it quits on an NFL career? There was a time when Alex Mack was 100% the best player on the field for the Cleveland Browns. Fantastic career. And in my opinion, definitely a future Hall of Famer. Hats off, Alex Mack.
2: Yeah, seven-time pro bowler. And I just want to say that this guy, Alex Mack, every team he was on, he helped them in a positive way, no matter what. And I think that says a lot about a player, no matter what sport you're in. Uh, and I 100% agree that he'll
0: be in one day. Yeah, absolutely. He said on Twitter... Quote, after 13 years and 204 games for three teams, I have decided to hang up my cleats. I am so grateful to the game of football and everything it has given me. From the very start, it helped shape who I am and taught me life lessons. I started to play football because it was fun, and that never changed. Went on to thank his fans, coaches, teammates, opponents, friends, and family before ending with, this really is more of a thank you than a goodbye. So great play. Play right there in Alex Mack. Um, When he was under center for the Browns, we had an offensive line consisting of Joe Thomas, Joel Betonio, Alex Mack, John Greco, and Mitchell Schwartz. What an offensive line that was for the Browns. In 2011, one of my favorite stories from Alex Mack with the Browns, he snapped every ball for a game that he played with appendicitis. He had to be rushed into surgery the next day on the Monday after the game. So just an incredible player, more toughness than any guy in the NFL potentially. Had that terrible leg injury in 2014 before playing his last season in 2015 with the Browns by making the Pro Bowl that year. And like you said, Alex, just a great player for every single team he played for. For me, he's an automatic Hall of Famer. What do you guys think about that?
1: I would definitely agree automatic Hall of Famer. Like Alex alluded to, he did nothing but make positive impacts on any roster that he was on, and especially considering that Browns fans... I mean, I know he left at one point and people were disappointed about that, but like we all said, nothing but positive impact on our team when he was here. I would say 100% Hall of Fame in Canton.
2: Yeah, there's... I like what you were saying. There, were, There's two types of offensive linemen in the NFL nowadays. There's your guys that are very injury-prone, and they can't play a full season or a full game, whatever it may be. And then there's those tough guys that can just stick it in there. And it seems that we're losing a lot more of those tough guys, especially if you look at the current Browns offensive line. Um, But just in general, what a tough guy should definitely
0: be in the Hall of Fame one day. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And let's talk about another tough guy that called it quits. Frank Gore, he played for five teams in his 16 years in the league. He's a five-time pro bowler, and he signed a one-year deal with the team that drafted him, the 49ers, and officially retired from the game of football.
1: Do you guys have anything for me on Frank Gore? The longevity of Frank Gore is something that you don't see in NFL running backs anymore, and I will always remember him as a 49er. I think we can all agree that that was the team he was most prominent on, but... Once again, I would agree, future Hall of Famer for Frank Gore after many great seasons and much longevity as a running back.
2: The thing about like some running backs in the NFL, I think of Adrian Peterson instantly, is they do so good, not just early in their careers, but these guys that play really long careers and they play pretty good in the first half of their career and then they just fade away and then they, you know, they go to retire and I almost forget about them in their actual legacy when they were in their prime, and that's exactly how I think about Frank Gore. I was like, is Frank Gore really Hall of Fame material? But when you look back at his prime age, 100%. He was forced to be reckoned with. He was one of the best big running backs of all time. Uh, so I definitely think he should be in the Hall of Fame as well. Oh, yeah.
0: He was definitely a tank back in his day. Still kind of is. Now he's boxing a little bit. Not sure exactly what Frank Gore's doing. Yeah, he he's, like, not,
2: like, awful either. Like... Didn't he lose that boxing
0: He match? did lose. Yeah.
2: But speaking of just, like, toughness, he kept, like, getting, like...
0: Rocked a little bit. Yeah,
2: he just, and he just kept going. It was pretty
0: wild. Yeah, so career stats for Frank Gore in 241 <sighs> games. He got 16,000 rushing yards and 81 touchdowns. And really, productivity and longevity, like you said, Logan, was the keys to his game. And he finished third in NFL history in rushing yards, only behind Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton. So for me, just that said alone, definitely Frank Gore has a future in can in my mind. Another player that called it quits, though, we have Stefan Tewitt, only played eight seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers, said in a statement, quote, With respect to the Steelers organization, my teammates and coaches, I'd like to officially announce that I've come to the decision to retire from the NFL. I'm thankful to have had the opportunity to represent the city of Pittsburgh for the past eight seasons and am blessed to leave this game with my health after the tragic loss of my brother Richard and upon completing my degree from the University of Notre Dame, I know I am being called to move beyond the sport of football, and quotes. So a bit of a touching statement there from to uh Retiring early, but retiring for a good purpose, it sounds like.
1: You don't see a lot of guys retire from the league to pursue educational reasons. And unfortunately, that's a terrible loss about his brother. Um, but I I don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I do commend that decision. I think that shows that uh, people out there that football players are more than football players, and congrats to him. I hope that he succeeds in his future endeavors, and congrats on the degree.
2: Yeah, I guess it's pretty bittersweet as a Browns fan, uh, and I couldn't agree more, Logan. It's just, you know, it's not often you see the guys hang up the cleats um, for stuff like this, but. It does happen, and I can respect it.
0: Yeah, I kind of came up here expecting to bash on onto it for retiring, and then I read the statement completely and realized that it was in pursuit of his degree and going into that also with his brother passing. Um, he just has found that greater purpose in life, so great for him. His career stats in 91 games with the Pittsburgh Steelers, six forced fumbles, one interception, 246 tackles, and a half sacks. So we'll see what the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers look like on defense this coming season. But let's move on to the last player that retired this week, the one and only Magic Ryan Fitzpatrick. He played for nine different teams in his career, was drafted by the Rams in 2005, then went on to play for the Bengals, Bills, Titans, Texans, Jets, Buccaneers, Dolphins, and Commanders, a wild career for Fitzmagic. I'm just happy that the Browns were one of those listed teams. What do you guys have for me
1: on Ryan Fitzpatrick? Impressive career that he lasted that long in the league. Um, he had a few good stints as a starter, many good stints as a backup, always a serviceable quarterback. Uh, congratulations on retirement, man. You were fun to watch. Fitzmagic was a fun time in the NFL pre-Tom Brady on the Bucks, And very interesting guy, to say the least. I, I remember the video of him... This past season with his shirt off in the stands for the Buffalo Bills playoff game, which was interesting, but interesting guy, interesting career. Congratulations.
2: I might be the most sad about this retirement because it was always great every NFL season just to watch whoever had Ryan Fitzpatrick on their bench in fantasy football and when he would just pop out for a 50-point game. And everybody was like, what the heck? And it's all over Instagram. It's all over Twitter. And you just look at this goofy bearded dude. It was just great. It was the Fitz magic. I loved it. And I'm going to miss that. But uh, definitely a good career. Wasn't like a crazy good quarterback or anything. I'm not going to give him as much credit as Logan did. He was very inconsistent. But nonetheless, I will miss Fitz magic. Alex, I kind of see a
0: little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick in you, bro. Just a little bit. Maybe so. A little bit of a wildness that he wears crazy things after his postgame conferences. Yeah, I can see it. Maybe I, that's
2: why I'm so sad about it. I can kind of relate yeah. to the guy.
0: Yeah, little young Fitzpatrick we got here. Um, yeah, definitely inconsistent. His career stats aren't too bad, though. In 166 games, 60.7%. Uh, completion rate, uh, 34,990 yards, 223 touchdowns, and 169 interceptions will go down as potentially one of the best backup inconsistent quarterbacks. I don't know. Uh, Fitzpatrick, definitely somebody that was fun to watch for a while, though. Definitely just congratulations to all four of those players on a great career. And to it, hopefully goes on to do something greater than the game of football. And for Frank Gore and Alex Mack, we will see you in Canton. Going on to a different NFL QB, though, that is also retired. Let's talk about Drew Brees a little bit. So we've already talked about this on the show previously, but a little bit more has come out about the story. So Drew Brees tweeted on May 15th about his future this fall with NBC. He said he's not sure what he's going to do. He might even play football again, focus on business, business philanthropy, uh, might even do some pickleball tours, was kind of just making some jokes. His future was pretty much wide open and now it's come out that his future with NBC as an NFL analyst and Notre Dame color commentator is officially over after just one year some of his co-workers didn't have the greatest things to say we'll get to that in just a little bit though but what do you make of Drew Brees career as an NFL a- analyst for at least NBC being over after one year
1: I think that It's disappointing because I do think that Drew Brees had a future in this profession. It's disappointing that it didn't work out after just one year. Uh, I would like to see him back in the broadcast booth at some point. I did enjoy having him on the call for games. I think that he's not like a Tony Romo. Tony Romo, in my opinion, is the most knowledgeable analyst that there is for football. And I think that Drew Brees can be that guy. He just needs to get a little more used to it, maybe find a network that gives him a little bit more support in that aspect. I would like to see him back in the broadcast booth. Definitely a little bit disappointing that it's come to a close so quickly.
2: So I think we need to get like a hot hot take button with like some sirens or something because I have a hot take. I am glad. Uh, I, I don't like 95% of these ex-NFO quarterbacks that come up and they want to predict every play before the play happens and they think they know nothing and then it gets to defense and they struggle to break down plays and they have bias against teams like Tony Romo hates the Browns and I don't like it. So I'm very happy. Um, I love Drew Brees as a player. I don't necessarily care for Tony Romo. Uh, I really do like Drew Brees as a person, as a player. I don't like these ex-NFL QB uh, analysts, though, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about it.
0: Well, Logan, do you have a response to that? He does not like Tony Romo. You just
1: called him one of the best football minds in the booth. I think that he has the best football mind in the booth. I wouldn't dispute at all what Alex said about him disliking the Browns. That does get very aggravating to listen to. But I can't dispute that he does have one of the best football minds that I've ever seen in the commentating booth.
0: Yeah, I don't mind his commentary. It's just a bit different, which is a nice change of pace. And I don't mind him predicting plays. He definitely is a scheme guy as well. Alex, I have something to add? Yeah, I just I
2: don't mind these guys as maybe working for uh, like a sports um, pre-game show, halftime show, post-game show where they can kind of break down what they saw. I just don't necessarily prefer listening to them um, as commentators. And there's literally points that I've watched NFL games that I mute my TV. Um, because I don't want to listen to their commentary because it frustrates me that much. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Drew Brees, though, I didn't really mind him in the booth, and what his coworkers have had to say about him is raising some eyebrows. So former linebacker LeVar Arrington, the three-time Pro Bowler who retired in 2006 with the Giants, said via the New York Post, he's just not as popular as he thinks he is. He's not as loved as he thinks he He and he acts out when it doesn't go the way he would like for it to go. He's reaching out and he's crying out for attention. End quote. Brady Quinn also added in saying he's not really wanted by uh, NBC. He's not really wanted by the Saints. Maybe he will end up with Fox, but that's a tough pill to swallow if you're the first ballot Hall of Famer. End quote there from
1: Brady Quinn. Lots of harsh words. What do you guys make of that? That's crazy to hear, honestly, because seeing him as like such a quote-unquote beloved NFL quarterback, and then you don't really catch on to that stuff when they are on air and broadcasting games. That's crazy to me to hear that people think that of Drew Brees because he does put on an image that he's so beloved, and maybe maybe that's just the way everybody sees it, and us as fans just don't.
2: I'll defend Drew Brees here because uh, I don't want people to have like a I don't like Drew Brees. Um, idea. I think they just might be a little jealous, honestly, of him and what he was able to do and uh, getting in so quick. Um, it kind of happened with like um, Peyton Manning and stuff, where like as soon as you know these bigger NFL guys retire, they're instantly in and uh, they are instantly loved because they were loved by so many
0: in the game. Uh, so I just think they were jealous. Yeah, I could definitely see that being a possibility as well. I honestly didn't hate his commentary, and maybe there were some behind-the-scenes problems with these guys, but I know on the field he was beloved by many. Uh, Him and Tom Brady have a great relationship, so we'll see what happens with Drew Brees going forward. His likely replacement, though, at NBC is reportedly Jason Garrett, who has been working with the USFL and covering many games this year, so we'll see exactly what the NBC booth looks like this upcoming season. But let's get into some AFC rankings. I wanted to run through the AFC East, West, South, and North and just rank these teams going into next season. Next week, we'll do the NFC. But let's kick it off right now with the AFC East. Give me your fourth team in the AFC East. Jets. Jets? Yep.
1: Pretty easy? It's very easy for me. Okay. Logan, do you agree? I would agree, but I also give the Jets a little bit more of a chance this year than I have in the past, if conditional if Zach Wilson plays well, which I do not think he will do.
0: Yeah, I also have the Jets sitting, sitting at fourth here. They may have won the draft, but they're still young, and they're playing in a tough AFC, and I honestly just don't believe that Zach Wilson has it either. I don't have much confidence in him, and the Jets have always been known as a franchise that just does not perform well. So I have them fourth in the AFC East. Moving on to number three, though, who do you guys have
1: finishing third in the AFC East? I got the Patriots. Okay. Logan? I would second that. I have the Patriots finishing third in the AFC East. I don't think that Mac Jones is as good as people make him to be, and I think that Mac Jones will not progress at all this offseason. I think we'll be looking at the same exact Patriots team next season as we did this year.
0: All right, bad take Logan back at it again. I have the Dolphins here sitting at third in the ASC. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean bad take Logan? Alex said the same thing. I, I mean, yeah, but I don't have beef with Alex. So, thanks Jake. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, yeah, I got the the Dolphins sitting at third here. Even with Tyreek Hill, I just don't believe in Tua at all and I don't know how good their offense is going to look this year. Their defense is okay. But I don't know if Tyreek Hill really brings what Tua needs. And I don't see Tua being a starting quarterback in the next five seasons in the NFL. So I have them finishing third. But number two, I do have the Patriots here. Um, Bill Belichick can lead any roster to a decent record. And Mac Jones should feel more comfortable in the offense in his second year. I kind of disagree with you there, Logan. I think Mac Jones might take strides this upcoming season. And I have the Patriots finishing in second in the AFC East. I'm assuming both of you guys have the Dolphins here at number two?
1: Yes. All right. Yes, I do have the Dolphins at two. Do you guys think Tua's the future in Miami? I think Tua will progress a little bit this season. I know everybody thinks he won't, but I do think he will. I do think, like, the off-season
0: workouts and the videos is just kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. It's OTAs. People can get over themselves, but... I just don't think he's that great of a player.
2: Yeah, I also don't really, I'm not saying I have a lot of trust in Tua. I just do think they will end up winning more games than the Patriots.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I have them losing um, more games than the Patriots, but we'll see what happens. Number one, though, we all agree. We all have the Buffalo Bills here, one of the juggernauts in the AFC. (coughs) And I think that Josh
1: Allen could be an MVP candidate this year. Do you guys have anything else for me on the Buffalo Bills? Nah, Josh, Josh Allen's a bona fide star, no question about it. And I think he wins MVP.
0: Possible Super Bowl contenders. Okay, interesting and a tough AFC conference. We're talking about the Bills as a Super Bowl contender and Josh Allen as an MVP candidate. So we'll see what happens there in the AFC East. But let's move on to the AFC West here. A very, very competitive conference, potentially the best conference in the entire NFL here in the AFC West. I had a really hard time making this list here, but who do you guys have
1: finishing last in the AFC West? Definitely the Raiders, and that is not because they are a bad football team. That is because of how good this division truly is. I think Devontae Adams is a great addition for the Raiders. This is going to be such a tight division, but I do have the Raiders at four.
2: I got the Broncos. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Why is that? Uh, I just don't. I just think that they're going to continue to struggle on offense. I don't think that Wilson will necessarily uh, turn everything around. So yeah, I got the Broncos.
1: That one probably stings to hear, Jeff. Huh?
0: Yeah, I don't know if, if Jeff's smiling right now, man. Yeah. probably upset a little bit. Finishing last in the AFC that's kind of wild. Um, the Raiders, though, I have them sitting at fourth. I actually agree with you, Logan. It's a very uncomfortable feeling when we agree, but I do have the Raiders sitting at fourth in the AFC West. They improved as well uh, with acquiring Devontae Adams, but I think they'll get outplayed by other great teams in the AFC. At third place, though, I have the Chargers here. Um, Justin Herbert is a rising talent in the NFL, and with an upgraded defense, they could be contenders to get a high wildcard spot, but I don't know if the Chargers can get over the hump. That is the Chiefs and the newly improved Broncos team this year in the AFC West. Who do you guys have at number
1: three? I'm not giving Jeff Longville that much credit. I do have the Broncos at three. I think Russell Wilson is a great addition for them. Huge upgrade at quarterback. However, I don't think Russell Wilson really has that many weapons other than Jerry Judy, who we don't even know what's going on with that Portland dude. Sutton. He's okay, but like he's nothing. he's nothing unbelievable. But I definitely think that the Broncos at three is a feasible spot.
2: Uh, yeah, I got the Chiefs here. I uh, just think they're going to struggle um, on offense, uh, and I think they're kind of getting old. and They're very um, stale or stagnant. They just, I and I don't think they're getting any better, but they might progressively be getting worse. But I still think Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the
0: league. All right. That's Bron- that's a hot take. Man, the Broncos wide receiver core is really good. I don't know what you're talking about, Logan. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler. I mean, it's not a bad room.
2: Jerry Judy is not even that good.
0: Thank you. I mean, he also had and, he,
2: and he's their best wide receiver. He also Cortland Sutton's better than Jerry Judy.
0: Absolutely not. If Cortland Sutton's not injured, he is better than Jerry Absolutely Judy. Absolutely not.
1: Absolutely, yes. I disagree. And who was throwing the ball to these guys? Drew Locke? It doesn't matter. You could have you could have Troy Aikman throwing the ball to these guys. Jerry Judy is still the best receiver on that team, and he is garbage.
0: Who, Jerry Judy's garbage?
1: Yeah.
2: I, I wouldn't say he's garbage. You've got to bring me some evidence here, man. He's very average. got to bring me some evidence. <laughs> I don't even know if he'll get picked up on a fantasy football team this year. Who? Even in a 12-man life. Jerry Judy? Maybe a bench player. Jerry Judy.
1: I ain't picking him.
2: If you're in a 12 man league, Jerry Judy's a starting wide receiver. He might be like a flex on like the worst team in your
1: league. He'd be a flex if I had absolutely nobody else to play due to bye weeks. I don't. I don't understand the hate at all. Makes no sense to me. He's just average. Alex
0: is right. It's not even that he's bad. He's just average. Very average. That makes no sense to me. But let's move on. Second place, AFC West. I have the Chiefs here. They've lost some key players in Hill and Matthew, but should still have an elite offense with Andy Reid. And I agree with you, uh, Alex, for this one. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think there's much de- disagreeing with that point. I have the Chiefs finishing second, which means I have the Denver Broncos finishing first in the AFC West. They have a good defense. And like I said, a great wide receiver core and a great QB with the addition of Russell West- Wilson. I have... The Broncos going far, not Westbrook. Russell
1: Wilson, uh, the Broncos going far and winning the AFC West. I have the Chiefs at two for the same reasons that Alex said. I think that they're figured out by this point. I do think Patrick Mahomes is still one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't like the guy, but it's true. And I think that their system at this point has not changed much since they won their Super Bowl, and a lot of people have that figured out. A lot of people are figuring out Patrick Mahomes. Plus, they lost Tyreek Hill. I know they got quite the haul for that. I personally think they won the trade. But it is a loss, and they didn't really replace it. And obviously, number one, I have, hot take, the, I have the L.A. Chargers. I think the Khalil Mack addition is huge for them on the other side of Joey Bosa. And I do think Justin Herbert has a huge breakout season this year. And we will see a lot from them this fall.
2: So I got the Chargers at two. Uh, I think they're a really um, good team. Uh, and I think they can go very far. They're good on both sides of the ball. But number one, I have the 2023 Super Bowl champions, the Raiders. Um, they are going to be the best team in the NFL. And You're
0: also a little bit of a Raiders fan.
2: Yes, and they are the, <laughs> be- <laughs> and they are the best team. Uh, they are going to be Super Bowl champions. We can play this back one day. Little bit, a in, a little bit I of a homer coming out. And I genuinely think they will be Super Bowl champs and number 1 in the AFC West.
1: Okay. You going to call him bad take Alex for that one? No. Alex You're is mean. my friend. You are not. <laughs> You're mean. Also People. Jerry Judy
0: and it's a great take. <laughs> Jerry Judy uh presents rostered in fantasy in Yahoo leagues, he's 95% he really rostered. To look that up. And in ESPN 91% rostered. In In fantasy. How many man leagues? It doesn't matter. I mean, he's 91. Yeah, if you're playing a six-man league that your whole team is an all-star, you might not have Jerry Judy in. But if you're playing a 12-man league, Alex, he's not going to be a flex that you might play with other players on a bye week. You can have him. You guys are wild. I'll give him to you for dirt. You guys are wild. Let's run through the AFC South and AFC North before we head to break, though. AFC South, give me all four teams. Alex, I'll go to you first.
2: Texans fourth, Jags third, Titans second, and Colts on top.
1: Okay, interesting. Logan? Texans fourth, Jags third, Titans second, Colts first. I agree with Alex. I completely
0: agree. I have the Texans in last, the Jaguars in third. I have the Colts in second. I have the Titans first. Um, They still have Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, and Austin Hooper to throw to, even when they got rid of A.J. Brown. (laughs) Still have Derrick Henry. He's a tank. Davis
1: Mills is dirt, too. He is. I
0: hope we get rid of this stigma around here. Dan Me Groen too. hasn't been on in a while, and Dan Groen's usually the guy that's like, yeah, Davis Mills, he's the GOAT, next MVP. So we'll see if that that ride comes back to WZIP Sports. But right now, it's very much dead that Davis Mills is not the answer in Houston. The AFC North, though, before we go to break, number four, I have the Steelers. Who do you guys have at number four? Uh, Steelers, but it was tight pick. Tight pick?
1: Tight pick. I wonder with who. We'll get to that in a minute, though. I have the Steelers last, and it isn't even close. They're, every other team got better, and they got worse.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Number three, though, who was that tight pick, Alex? Or Cleveland Browns. Ooh.
2: Unfortunately. Interesting. I don't think we're going to have a quarterback, so. Yeah,
0: yeah that's,
1: that's very much possible. We'll see. I would put the Cincinnati Bengals at three. I know that's kind of hot, but. I think that they regressed from their Super Bowl their Super Bowl appearance a little bit. So I have the
0: Ravens here at number three. Um, I just think I'm not sure like how Lamar Jackson is going to come back from injury, so we'll see how that goes. And the defense, we're not sure if they can rebound from all the injuries they had last year with those players coming back, so we'll see about the Ravens. Right now I have them sitting at third. Number two, who
1: do you guys have? I got the Ravens here. I got, I got the Ravens at two. That makes the Browns your number one? It does make the Browns number one. I have the Browns number
0: two just because I don't know how many games Watson is going to play, how many games he's going to be suspended for. There's going to be a verdict hopefully soon on that, but we'll see what happens. Cases are up to 24, so we'll see there. Uh, but they are wickedly talented all over the field, so I do have the Browns at number two. In the AFC North, number one, though, I have the Bengals. Joe Burrow could be a candidate for MVP, a sneaky little candidate for MVP this year. They made the Super Bowl last season and can compete with the best teams in the league. Who do you guys have at number one? We already know Browns. For Logan, let's go to Alex. I
2: definitely think I have the most realistic list for AFC North in here, uh, but I'm going to go with the Bengals, number
0: one. It's very tough. I mean, it, it really depends on Watson. It if really If Watson does. plays more than eight games... I mean, they're, they're not going to finish third in the AFC North. You no, know? if
1: he plays more than eight games. Right, but if he plays more than eight games, I do have them sitting at second. Any quarterback on the field for the Browns is better than Baker Baker Interception Maker. I should have yeah. cut your mic even before that happens, but whatever. I'm not I'm not going
0: to. Hey, you, you're saying hot right now. Wait for another half an hour. I'm aware. Wait another half an hour. In a half an hour, by the way. We do have this little track over here called Logan Congrove Heat Distract. Disgusting. We'll have a little bit of a roast of Logan Congrove, his own words used against him. So stay tuned for that. I'll defend it. Yeah, it's all right. Well, uh, we're going to head to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, their little rebranding they did this week. Also, they hired Luke Walton. We'll get everybody's take on that. So don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk. What's going on, everyone? We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. My name is Jacob Marin, and I'm the host of your show today, joined by Alex Henry. What's up, y'all? And, unfortunately, Logan Congrove, my arch rival. It's go heat. That applies not even a little bit. Hey, it's always go heat in really my know. heart. I don't really know what you're trying to get there.
1: but Always in my heart.
0: We will get into that at the top of the hour. So stay tuned for that little roast of Logan Congrove. Let's talk about our very own Cleveland Cavaliers for a moment. They did have a small little rebranding with some new logos. And via Cavs.com, the primary icon, the Cavs C, is still the main logo, but it is an evolved rendition of it that features an updated Cavaliers gold. The whole theme of this rebrand was that gold is finally back. In the color scheme of the Cavs, instead of that yellow color, it's back to a traditional gold. The Global Shield logo that was introduced in 2017 has been updated with the new Cavaliers gold as well, and actually features the reduction of the sword, which has stirred up some controversy in the Cavs fan base. We'll get to that. A new secondary logo is the same typeface from the 2017 to 2022 wordmark, but it includes the evolved V-Net, which relates to the 80s and the inline details from the 90s. Another separate logo is simply the V-Net taken from the new script, which displays visual representation of the Larry O'Brien trophy, and it serves as an aspiration icon to compete for more championships on both ends of the floor. So, enough talk from me. You, though. Your guys' thoughts on these logos of the four new ones,
1: which is your favorite? I definitely think that the Evolved C is my favorite. I love the colorways for it. I don't... My least favorite, I think the Larry O'Brien is a cool concept, but I just don't... I don't love it, and I really dislike the reduction of the sword. I know you said that that doesn't affect you that much, but it really affects me. The sword... The sword is a part of our logo, man. It's always been a part of our logo. Since I've been born at least, I don't I don't like the reduction of the sword. Uh my favorite logo
2: is the light blue, uh like the old little classic looking vintage logo. I'm very much like a fan of vintage clothing, uh, in general. So I just always like how that logo looks on clothing and stuff, and and jerseys. Gotcha. Um I know it might not be necessarily the most um cavalier. Esque logo, but it is my favorite.
0: Out of the four new ones, do you have a favorite out of those four? Oh, out of the four new ones. Yeah, you good. I like,
2: I like, no, I like the mix between the old one and the new one with the V uh, basketball net with the ball going in it. I kind of like it. Actually, I really like it. It's my favorite.
0: Disagreeing with I Logan there.
2: don't want you guys to shame
1: me because I know there's a no, lot of people that don't like it. I don't dislike it at all. I actually don't think any of them are bad other than the Larry O'Brien one. Which is a cool concept, but just doesn't really work for me. I think Alex's pick is good, too. I don't really understand
0: why they have that little notch in the V, though. Yes. That kind of bothers me. On the me. bottom left? Yeah. That kind of bothers me a little bit. I don't bit. know what's going on there. Yeah. It just seems like a mistake. Uh, I, I really like the word mark though. Out of the four logos, the word mark is probably my favorite. I just think it looks really clean. My second favorite is definitely going to be the new Cavs C. I do like the colorways. And I don't mind the V. It's not great, but I do like that it was related to the Larry O'Brien trophy in a way. So I think it all looks nice. What do you guys make of the introduction of the gold color back into our color scheme, getting rid of the yellow and bringing back that pure
1: gold? I like it a lot. I wish I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more later. I hope that they also bring back the 2003 through 2010 jerseys that were introduced in the first LeBron era I think that is everybody's opinion that I've talked to at least that those jerseys just need to make a comeback Uh, I do like that colorway a lot
2: yeah I love the gold and I think it's a great colorway and I think it's good having like we know this team can play now we know they're good and I know we just kind of rebranded not too long ago but I think it's nice to kind of even just start fresh again with this because our team's so much different than it was two years ago, and knowing, hey, this is a good team, let's kind of start fresh, get some new color action, or bring back the old colors, I like it a lot for that reason.
1: The current Cavs jerseys, not the ones we just rebranded to, the current Cavalier, like the mustard yellow jerseys, have the same feeling to me as when the Cleveland Browns rebranded to those disgusting 0-16 jerseys. I don't don't know if you guys see it that way, but I see them as loser jerseys. And the Cavs are the full yellow jersey? No, just or? like the all of the jerseys we have right now. Other than the black one with the jump man, okay. that one's okay to me, but I think I see I see our current uniforms as loser jerseys and the Cavs are not a loser franchise anymore. I agree with you there. I thought you were talking about like the full
0: yellow oh, jerseys. No, no. I back like, in, like the Kyrie I like those. Day. I like those. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of like the full yellow jersey. I had one. I like those. I actually had a Kyrie full yellow jersey. I did too. Yeah, it was a great time. I did like that jersey a lot. And you kind of mentioned it, Alex, a little bit about the decision to rebrand. A lot of people are saying that we're just a franchise that rebrands time and time again. Every five years, it seems like we're rolling out new logos, new uniforms. Should we just stick with what we have now with a new rebrand? Or in five years, are they going to start a new campaign saying, oh, Navy's back now and include Navy in our color scheme? Um, what do you guys' take on that? I never understood
1: why navy was a part of our colors. Really? I actually like the navy. I liked, in how I just said I liked those 2003-2010 jerseys, I did like that navy jersey. However, I just don't see... The Cavs are wine and gold. They're wine and gold. Why navy? Doesn't make sense to me. She it looks good with the colors, but Alex, any thoughts?
2: Uh, I genuinely don't mind rebranding every five years. It's... I don't know why people have this idea that it's just a Cavs thing. If you look at literally any team in the NBA, they're constantly rebranding too. And I think it's a really cool thing that the NBA does. It encourages you know uh, fans of teams to want to go out and get new jerseys, get new merchandise, and it's just different from the uh, MLB and the NFL where they are kind of all these teams, not just the Cavs, are always rebranding. And I'm I'm eh on the Navy. It's it's alright. I can. Leave it or take it, I guess.
0: See, that's how I feel about the sword. For me, the navy, I just like the navy uniforms. I think it complemented the wine and gold a lot. And the three colorways right now is the wine and gold and black. I wish it would have just been wine, gold, and navy. I don't like black in our
2: color scheme thank, at all. And it's and yes. it's weird because I love black in 90% of color schemes, it just doesn't look good with us and even like red and black is a good combo but not like that wine color with the black it just I don't like how it contrasts I
1: I would agree honestly other like I said I do I like the current black jersey we have with the C and the jump man in the corner but I don't think black is really that nice of an addition to our colorway and I also a hot take I hated the jerseys that we won the championship in that those were not with good. the
2: with the like the short sleeve. Yes, yeah. Those I just were weird. didn't like them.
1: I LeBron don't had to rip them off. Yes, yep. and then they had to like make them loose for LeBron following that. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just choose to. If your star player hates those jerseys, why are you wearing them? I didn't like those. I don't like black.
0: I mean, that's probably why we got rid of those uniforms. But I didn't hate those uniforms. It mostly because it just has the 2016 title written all over it now. Right. So it's just. Reminds me of good times, I guess. But no, I don't think navy, or I think I don't think black really goes well with our wine and gold color scheme. I agree with you guys there. I think navy matches much better. But nonetheless, the Cavs are going to go on with their wine, gold, and black color scheme. They will announce new uniforms this coming summer. But we talked about the elimination of the sword a little bit. Logan, you seem to be a big fan of the sword, and you're upset that it's
1: gone. Yeah, I just. I grew up with it, I feel like. I know change is good sometimes, but that uh, that shield logo, I didn't like that anyway. It's terrible. And now there's no sword in it. Now it just looks like, I don't even know, like, I don't know how to explain it. It, it looks like, actually, my friend described it as, it looks like something a high school would put up in their gym as, like, a state championship banner. It looks so boring. And I did. I didn't. I hated when it was in the middle of the court. I did not like that at all.
0: Yeah, Alex, any thoughts on the shield?
1: I, um, I I
2: don't really like the shield either. Um, I do like the sword though. I just there's really two ways you can go about the Cavs logo, and it's either that like early two thousands to like 2014, 2015, or before that, like that eighties nineties Cavs vibe. You can't have, like, a sword in that old logo. It just wouldn't work. So I guess I like the older-looking logo enough to where I'm okay with getting rid of the sword. It maybe would have been cool to keep it on the banner, but I guess if they're changing everything, then they might as well do
0: something with it, I guess. Yeah, I've never been a fan of the sword logo, even with the sword in it. I didn't like it. Honestly, I think it's better now without the sword. It just looks a bit more simplistic, and I can look at it without it being too busy and crowded with the sword and the almost too big lettering in it. Right now, it's just a nice, simple logo. I still don't like it compared to our other logos, though. And the elimination of the sword, though, I don't really care too much. If the sword is used well, I love it. But personally, the sword going through the C logo, I'm not a fan of. I just didn't think it ever looked right. Maybe on the side of like their pants that they wear in their uniforms, that might have looked okay, but I've just never been a fan of the sword crossing through the sea. I've more so liked it when it's actually in our mascot's hand or that basketball logo back in the day where the sword like cuts through the Cavaliers script. That's probably my favorite rendition of the sword in the Cavs logo, but we talked about the new uniforms. They're coming this summer. What do you guys want? We've talked about the 2003 to 2010 LeBron rookie uniforms.
1: Is that what we're hoping for? That is all I'm hoping for. But knowing this franchise, that is not what they will be. I think there'll be something similar. I saw a few concepts here and there by the worst account on Twitter, Cavaliers Nation. Why do
0: you post them so much?
1: Because everything they say is so bad. It's so bad. Then you retweet it or you send it to the group chat, which makes you so bad. Contest. When they post concepts, they're the only people that post concepts. I'm talking like when they push trade rumors and stuff, they're pathetic. Me and Dan have a thing going right now. Like every time they tweet anything, one of us replies to it with something stupid. What's the worst one you've you seen? Let me um, let me pull it up and read it to you. Actually, it was it was absolutely blasphemous. While I pull it up, though, Alex, I I really hope go that ahead? yeah, let Alex. Yeah,
2: do it. um, I what were we talking? Oh, jerseys, the uniforms. Yeah, yeah, I would also love to see the early um, LeBron era jerseys. I just fear, like I was talking about earlier, how a lot of NBA teams rebrand. Um, that doesn't mean they're all necessarily good. And a lot of them kind of do like this modern look. And I don't know who the style is for these like modern looks wore, but I don't like most of them. Uh, and I kind of feel like that's where the Cavs are leaning despite Bringing out like the older script uh, for the Cavs um, logo there, but I want them to bring back the older jerseys.
1: I just don't think they will. I found it the worst trade proposal by at we are Cavs Nation on Twitter that I have seen is Cleveland Cavaliers trade away Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman, and the number fourteen pick, and we receive Jeremy Grant. And this account was dead serious about that. Like, they really thought that that was an upgrade. And then second to that, the second worst one that I saw was the Cleveland Cavaliers give up Lowry Markkinen and Isaac Okoro, and we get Bohan Bogdanovich. Those are rough. So, I don't hate the Jeremy Grant one. What? Is that bad? It's yeah. terrible.
0: We're giving up so much okay, for no. a scrub. I, I When I say I don't hate it, it doesn't mean that I would do it. I still wouldn't do it. Mainly because of Larry Markkinen, I'm a big uh, Larry Markkinen guy. Jetty Osman, he's hit or miss. If he's got That's a true. good like secondary point guard that can run the floor and set him up well, I think Jetty Osman's good. But other than that, he's very inconsistent. I can do without him. Even Isaac Okoro in some of those trades, I so badly want to get rid of Isaac Okoro. Why? Because he's just not evolved at all offensively. Dude, you can't give up on him. I, I'm, I'm there. You shouldn't be. I'm willing to trade him. I, I would trade him. So willing, I'm so willing to trade Isaac Okoro with another piece. We can get into it a little bit later, but Isaac Okoro, I'm totally fine with dumping him this offseason. No problem. In the number 14 pick, sure, there's some guys out there that could be beneficial to our team that we could pick at number 14, but honestly, I don't value it that high. So putting that in a trade deal too, I'm fine with Isaac Okoro, number 14 pick in a trade deal I'm okay with add Larry in. I'm out. But Jeremy Grant deserves a little bit more respect. Just a little bit. I wouldn't give
1: up that much for him.
0: All right, fair enough. But let's get to Around the Roo, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page this week. Our question is, which of these four Cavs logos is your favorite? I'm going to post it to our Twitter account right now. So first, the first option here... It's it's going to be letter A. It was introduced in 1994 and 95 season, and it was used until the 2002 and 03 season. For B, it was introduced in the 2003 and 04 season. It was modified with yellow coloring in the 2010 and 11 season, and it was removed in the 16 and 17 season. Introduced in 2017 and 18 is the C logo, and it was actually just replaced. That is the shield. With D, which is the new CAS C logo with the gold coloring. Let me stop explaining it, though. Let me tweet it out. If you go over to WZIP Sports, you can see which four logos we are choosing from here. And you guys can vote. So we'll see what you have to take on that. But, guys, let me get your opinion. A, B, C, or D,
1: which is your favorite logo and why? Logo A, not even close. I think that the, as Alex said, I think the throwback logo is awesome. I know that is kind of an unpopular opinion, but... Even though the colors are so not Cavaliers as Alex alluded to, logo A is awesome. And when we wore those as throwbacks, those were awesome too. I big fan of logo A. I'd go with that.
2: Yeah, I know I jumped the gun earlier, um, but I go with A. I think it's by far the best. Uh, I love the blue, love the vintage look. Uh, I genuinely don't even know what I'd pick for second because I think A is just the
0: best. Some shocking words there. Really, A? A, big time. I'm, I've am i never been a fan of the orange with the blue and the black. Never been a fan of that But color it's way. so, like, original. What? Really think so? Yeah, I actually love
2: the blue and orange colorway a lot, but I just think that blue on the black is just so crispy but i'm not necessarily talking about jerseys i'm just looking at the logo in itself and i think that's the best logo
0: yeah okay logo by itself fine but the colorway i'm not a fan of the light blue the orange the black even the uniforms that everybody loves with like the thing across the front with the number never been a fan of those hot take they're overrated i don't want to see them as throwback uniforms ever again what? A, B, C, or D, though. Huh? No. That's a bad take. No, I don't like those uniforms at all. Evil Mr. Murrin. That's no. a terrible take. No, I hate them. I hate them. Just, they're almost overused, too. Like, we had that one season where we wore them consistently as throwbacks, and then we released, like, the ice cold version that was white with light blue for, like, snow and Cleveland and whatnot. No. Too much overdone we'll let the bad colors. We'll scheme. let the fans decide. I, they know what's right. I'm shocked that you guys picked A. They're not going to vote
1: A. I'm going to walk over there and cut your mic for you for saying that. I mean, that's... I mean, you don't have to
2: say they're your favorite, but it's kind of disrespectful to say
0: they're overrated. Eh, Disrespectful to who? The designer, I guess? To the world. To the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I'm disrespecting the world by true, saying that the Cavs true
2: vintage bad. Cavs fans that were there in the '90s that were able to watch it and that are still true fans that get to see those throwback colorways and the young people like but, me who wasn't born, okay. but I love the nostalgia. That's who you're disrespecting.
1: You're telling me you wouldn't rock a Sean Kemp throwback Cavs jersey? Yes, I'm telling you that exactly. You're wrong for that. I would wear. Like
0: those 2003 to 2010 unis, those are like the th- those are the throwbacks we need to bring back. I'm sick and tired of the orange and light blue colorway. It, it it just does not have a place with I, the Cavs anymore. I really dislike you, Jake. It's my third favorite logo out of the four that we can pick from. Huh? Um, my favorite logo. You guys want to take a guess? I mean, B. Uh, knowing you, it's probably C. No, I hate this shield. The Shield is my least favorite logo. I think it's B. You're right, Logan. It is B. I really like the basketball logo. The Cleveland Cavaliers there, I mentioned. The use of the sword looks best when it cuts through the Cavalier script. And that Cavalier script, that th- those are those 2003 to 2010 uniforms. The script we have now, we're not going to get those old uniforms because we dropped that entire script. So we want those uniforms back. We're not going to get them unless they're throwbacks. And this is the throwback logo. These are the throwback uniforms that I like the most. It just looks so clean. I love everything about it.
2: Boring logo. Boring? Really? Just just talking about logos. I love the jerseys. Love the colorways. Don't mind the navy. I like the pinstripe ones. Um, logos? Just boring, though.
0: You can have, like, the basketball spinning and the sword cut through it for animation. I like it. B is my favorite logo. Then I would go D. I like the new Cav C. Um, so in some pictures, like the new gold they chose, looks a little bit bland, but I don't hate it here. And then I have A in third place with C in last. It's really hard to describe these logos on air, but if you go to our Twitter page at WZIP Sports, you'll see what we're talking about. You'll see the graphic. You'll see A, B, C, and D, all the logos. And then there is a tweet commented under that with the poll so you can let us know what your favorite logo is. And let us know in the comments, am I being disrespectful for saying that the old Cavs uniforms with the orange and light blue are bad? Is that a justified take? And what do you guys think of the basketball logo that we used in those prime years with the Cavaliers?
1: Do you guys have anything more for me on Around the Rue? Your take is really, really bad, and if you're smart, you will vote A at WZIP Sports. I will give you a cookie if you vote A. I don't know if you'll be able to
0: follow through with
2: that. I don't necessarily think everybody has to vote A. I can understand if B is your favorite, but to say A is overrated and you don't like it and you wouldn't wear a camp jersey is kind of wild. I'm saying like the uniforms
0: and the colors are overrated. The logo You gave the is logo sick. third. It's because of the uniforms and the colors. That's why. But no, the unif- the the logo itself is sick. I love how like the net is like breaking as the ball goes into it, but it's still third because of the colors. It's not wine and gold. It's not the Cavaliers. It's just it's just not well, our brand. Well, technically it was the
2: Cavaliers because it was before all the other ones. I mean, you're right, but the so Cavs are known what as whining balls.
0: Word is not the Cavs. Mind blown here this morning, huh, Alex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, before we go into break, let's talk about the Luke Walton um, story here with the Cavs. He was hired as an assistant coach. He was the former head coach of the Lakers and the Kings. Has a record as a coach of one eighteen to two forty four which is a 42.6% winning percentage, was fired after 17 games last season with the Kings after starting 6-11. and Did play from the Cavs from 2011 to 2013. Before we go to break, what are your guys' thoughts on the Luke Walton hiring?
2: I really like it, mainly because Luke Walton understands today's game. uh, And just as an assistant, I think that's going to really help, um, especially in areas where we have struggled before.
1: I think Luke Walton is a great addition to our team. I I think that he has head coach since he has had the franchise, and I think as an assistant coach, he can be much more successful with less responsibility.
0: I do agree. You know, I don't. I didn't love the move at first because of his lack of success with coaching. But as an assistant who is brought in confidently by our current front office and head coach, I do trust the move. Um, the via the write down Euclid's Evan Damarel, he wrote that. Sources say the decision to bring him into the fold was originally sparked by head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, and a lot of it has to do with Walton's valuable experience as both a player and a coach. So we'll see how he works out with the Cavaliers' coaching staff. And again, before we go to break, I do want to get one just main offseason priority from you guys for the Cavs. We didn't get too much into it, but one thing that the Cavs can do this offseason, fire off.
2: We got to figure out what we want to do with Colin Sexton. I just think that's what's most <clears throat> most important. I'm okay with trading him. I'm okay with keeping him. Uh, but we got to figure that out.
1: I would 100% agree. I think that the Cavs are in a great position to win. And our biggest priority right now is deciding if Colin Sexton is going to be a part of our team going forward. I would also agree with Alex that it doesn't really matter to me what we do either way. I think if he stays, he's a very useful and serviceable player. If he doesn't, we could probably get something pretty good out of him that could also be useful and serviceable. So Colin Sexton's decision is the biggest priority for the Cavaliers. It's definitely their biggest,
0: but my, the main thing I want to see this offseason for the Cavs is signing back Ricky Rubio. The combination of Rubio and Garland was fantastic. And like we mentioned a little bit earlier, he elevated the entire second unit with Kevin Love and Jetty Osmond. And with the Cavs, he averaged 13.1 points per game and 6.6 assists per game, which was top 20 league wide. Ricky Rubio, you know where you like to play. Just come back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that's what I'd love to see for the Cavs this offseason. Go vote around the Rue. At WZIP Sports, B is already taking a lead. 67% of voters are saying B so far. Um, you guys are failing with your with your A votes there, guys. But we'll see what it actually ends up being.
1: Can I can I say something one more time before we go to break? I just read one of the replies, which is from Sava, our DJ, that was on here before the show. Nobody said B was the worst, Sava. Nobody said B was the worst. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think B's second, actually. I really like B, and if B wins, I'm not going to be sad. I just, the A slander was just too much for me to handle. The A deserves I agree. all the
1: slander. B is second.
0: Yeah, no, B is the best. We'll see what you guys think, though. We'll have the results for you next week on SBT with a brand new round the room question. But it's time for us to go to break. When we come back, we will have the amazing roast of one Logan Congrove. You won't want to miss that as we break down the NBA playoffs. And then when we get back from our last break, we're going to talk about the MLB. So don't miss the last hour of SPT only on WZIP 88.1. What's going on, everyone? We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murrin, the host of your show for today. I'm joined by my analyst, Alex Henry. What's up, guys?
1: And... My arch rival and heat fan Logan Congrove. I'm very ready to defend myself here, man. I've been waiting all week. I've been waiting all week.
0: I am so excited that it is Sunday. I'm so excited that we are in our third segment of Sports Power Talk. And I'm so excited to play this little this little clip I made here of what you said last week on Sports Power Talk. You hosted last week and you got some words to say about your Miami Heat. You thought they were going to win Game 7 against Boston. And without further ado, what I made on Monday, here it is. Just take a listen.
1: In my Marilyn Monroe Miami Heat shirt, I do think that Tyler Hero will come back tonight. Makes a big difference. Jimmy Butler coming off of that game is going to be hungry. Jimmy Butler is remembering in the back of his head how he felt losing the finals to LeBron James and the Lakers. And I know he doesn't want to feel that pain, especially earlier than the finals when he's this close in a game seven. And I do think that being at home, although despite I do agree with Matt, our fans are a little bit ridiculous, I think it makes a difference. If you were able to go into the Boston Garden and do that, you can definitely do it on your home floor. You just have to get over the hump of the fact that it's game seven. You need to use that to your advantage and win the game. That's I do see the Miami Heat coming away tonight. When the Heat win, I can't wait to send all of you a text message that says, I told you so. I cannot wait for tonight. I really seriously cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. I'm picking the Miami Heat. Shocker. <laughs> but I'm picking them in a close game. So, hypothetically, moving into the NBA Finals, say the NBA Finals is the Miami Heat versus the Golden State Warriors. I would take the Miami Heat Shocker in six. You know, go Heat, Game 7, going to win tonight. Cannot wait to rub that in all of your faces that the Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals after tonight's Game 7.
0: Logan, are you rubbing it in our faces? The Heat are in the Finals going to beat the Warriors in six games? <laughs> are you... Are you <sighs> Hey, you rubbing
1: it in. I did not get the text. You know Sunday what's crazy? Do You know what's crazy though. Nothing I said was incorrect, other than what? the fact that the heat were that the heat would win. Everything else was valid. What well, you, you said,
0: Tyler.
2: Tyler Hero, did, Hero came back with what did, zero what points. Did do?
1: Let me dispute that. Tyler Hero came back, but and I know you're going to clown me for this comment. I know it. I know it. Coach. I know you're going to clown me, but that was Eric Spolstra's fault. He, you, oh, my goodness. Logan. That was so bad by Eric Spolstra. Your coach of the year. I Did I or did I not text the group chat and say, I retract what I said about that on air, then he should not have won coach of the year due to that, due to his play of Tyler Hero. That was terrible.
0: You've also criticized his play of Victor Oladipo.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. But Oladipo played, didn't he? I mean, yeah, but... Hot take, Jimmy shot was not a bad shot. He was the best player on the floor, and he was trying to win the game. Alex, do you have anything for us? Hey, I don't mind the heat, Logan. That's fine,
2: whatever. They're not NBA final wet ready. I don't know if they'll make it this far in the playoffs for a while. And I think they might lose some players. I was talking to Logan. I think they should try to trade Jimmy Butler.
1: Oh, no, 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 Alex. That is the worst possible decision the Miami Heat could make. They need to try and solidify Jimmy Butler and get the man some help because he doesn't have much of it. Bam Adebayo was dirt in that series, and it was disgusting. I don't care how many, if you walk up the court and you rip your jersey because you're upset. Yeah, well, you didn't do anything. You, nobody helped Jimmy. Nobody helped Jimmy. Bam Adebayo scored 25 points with 11 rebounds in Game 7. That's one game out of the series. They're, like I said, on air, you can find that in your little clippy-clip thingy you got over there. I said Bam Adebayo was inconsistent. No, I mean, I'm not combating that. I'm just saying in Game 7, he was the
0: second-best contributor besides Jimmy Butler. That's all I'm saying. Uh,
2: Just to go back on what I was saying, I do think that they did kind of surround Jimmy Butler with some stars, <laughs> and they just weren't able to play um, the way they should have in... Uh, the goat of basketball, LeBron James when uh, you know the teams that he surrounds himself uh, with don't do good he leaves um, and that's what Jimmy Butler should do
1: I want to know who you consider a star that the Miami Heat surrounded Jimmy Butler with He they, they surrounded him with the tools he needed
2: um, am I saying that those tools performed well? Not necessarily but I don't think that this team should have even went as far in the playoffs as they should have. I genuinely thought the Hawks were going to beat them at the beginning of the playoffs. So I don't even think they should have made it. I'm pretty sure it was just like all luck that they got here. No skill at all.
1: I'm pretty sure you're dead wrong, sir. And I'm pretty sure you're dead wrong on that comment, too, because the Miami Heat will be back in the finals next year after we clip this too? After we surround Jimmy with some help. Solidify Jimmy. Get Duncan Robinson out of Miami. That was the biggest waste of money of all time. That was garbage. Duncan Robinson is garbage and that dude as Jeff said to me last night, Duncan Rob is correct because he robbed Mickey Arison and Miami Heat of so much money. I'm so glad though that Max Drew stepped up in his place because now we can ship him to like Orlando or somewhere where we never have to hear from him again.
2: Logan, I just got a question for you, and, I, and you know I was here to defend you. I really was, but if Jimmy Butler is so good, why couldn't he finish the game? All he did was just continue to miss. He if he's if he's the you know the the carrier of the team, the leader that you want to base a team around, why can't he finish?
0: He scored thirty five. I believe you promised you would score over forty, and you know 12-10 Sunday, June fifth.
1: You said the Miami Heat will be back. I feel like I gotta pull that for a little bit of a of a thing to play. They next will be time. back. A hundred percent they'll be back. And to answer your question, Alex, he scored thirty five points. Thirty five points. I know I said forty, but thirty five is pretty close. And No one helped him for the millionth time. Pretty close doesn't cut it. He can't do everything. Even LeBron can't do everything for his teams. Look at that. LeBron didn't even make the playoffs because he had to do everything. Pretty close doesn't cut it. He scored 35. They lost by four. If he scored 40, they would have won by one. Max Struce's three was in. I don't give a. I do not care what anybody says. Max Struce's three was in. His heel was not on the line. That was a bad call. And I think NBA refs are the worst in pro sports. Not even close. Worst referees in pro sports. I'm not even blaming the rest. But if that shot goes in, the Miami Heat win the game. I just love that last week you're basing all of your takes and analysis
0: on emotion. It's like and oh, that's game so seven. wrong. Oh, game seven. It's in Miami. They need to get over the hump heat of the culture, game seven. man. That's just how it works. It we just, just had a rough. How is he emotion. the rest blew it?
1: The rest blew it. How is he saying his shot was in? Max Truce's shot was in, and that makes such a difference. How is
0: saying heat culture not an emotionally based take?
1: Because it's a lifestyle, man. What are you talking about?
0: There's no stats. I, There's no so, basketball analysis in saying all that I have to culture. say
1: Max Struce makes that shot. The Miami Heat win the game. The refs pulled that away because nobody wanted to see the Heat back in the finals and beat the Warriors. Everybody wanted the stupid underdog story of the stupid Boston Celtics. And here we are, and they're winning games, which is so stupid. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of this. The Heat needs to get Jimmy help now, or this is going to continue. Everybody's going to continue to make fun of me for thinking that they're good, and they are good. We just need the right help around Jimmy.
0: I hope everybody's laughing right now because this is fantastic.
1: I am not laughing, Jake.
0: No, everybody else just laughing at not only your misery but your analysis because it makes no sense. Again, saying Heat culture is completely emotional-based. And you can say get Jimmy help all the all you want, but did not score forty, scored thirty five, lost by four. Alex, this is what do you have to say to the listeners in their
2: cars, on their phones, on the app? It's just sad. There's a broken man, a broken <laughs> piece of what him, what he once was next to him, basing all of his okay sports knowledge strictly on emotion and and strictly on emotion. He he thinks. Guys, I, I you know, I my might not have the best NBA knowledge either, but he thinks that Jimmy Butler is enough to win an NBA championship. He thinks that if they can surround Jimmy Butler, that's enough. And in today's league it's his I think that's his bad take, Logan.
1: I have something for you, Jake. I I I just wanted to inform you that just now I tweeted heat culture in response to the uh to the poll. Or are you telling me that we're going to roast me on air? And your girlfriend liked the tweet that said heat culture. Just so you know. Just so you're aware. Heat culture. Just, she supports WZIP. She so. liked my quote, though. I mean, she likes WZIP. It doesn't bother me.
2: feels bad for you, bro. Yeah. I feel like a <laughs>
1: lot of people more or less hey, feel bad for by you. By the way, nobody combated me when I said that Max Truces 3 was good. None of you said anything. <laughs> None of you.
2: It, I, I I thought it was uh, make, but I then, thought it was in
1: two. But they had
2: many other opportunities, and yeah, yeah. You can complain
1: mean, about a ref call all you want. Probably but other it's a bad three, calls in the game. It's a three. They did lose. I remember four. that when the Cavs are there next year, and something happens to them, and we come on air, and somebody says, "Oh, but the refs, the refs." Okay, I mean, it, it was a three point, a three point shot that shot. makes a big difference in a game seven, and the I, refs called. The refs really called that. His foot was not on the line.
0: I mean, that's fair. That's the only non-emotional take you've had about the Heat in like three weeks. So I'll give you that. But that clip I played,
1: it was all emotion, man. And there was nothing in it that was wrong other than the Heat were going to win. And Tyler Hero scoring zero points. He's going to be back. Due to coaching,
0: man. You can blame it on coaching all you want, but the fact is he still scored zero points. The coach has to put the dude in the game in order to score more than zero points. I I understand why he scored zero points, but the fact that you said he would be a big player in the game and still went on to score zero points, regardless of what the coach had to do, still means you're wrong.
1: You know, Jake. And you, I don't have much else to say to you. I really don't. And you saying uh, Spolster is the coach of the year for three, which three, I retracted. Weeks. I, t- I texted Good. you all and retracted after learn. the game due to his play of Tyler Hero. I thought it was horrible. I'm glad. No you're coach learning. of the year puts the sixth man of the year on the bench in a game seven and doesn't play him. What was the point in that? That makes no sense to me. It really made no sense to me. I was actually so irritated watching the game, seeing that dude sit on the bench and I could see the look on his face. He didn't understand it either. It made no sense. None. Man, I'm I'm glad you're getting this
0: off your chest. I've been Honestly. waiting all week, man. I mean I don't I I don't think it's come to fruition, man. I think more most people feel bad for you and are laughing, and that's totally fine because this has been the roast of one Logan Congrove. And I will definitely put that in my notes June 5th, twelve ten. You said they'll be back. Please do. They oh, will. Yeah, I, I will. They will. I will. You put it in your notes too, and we'll see what actually happens next season. Oh, I got you, man. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. But let's talk about the NBA Finals because the Celtics are in it and not the Heat. And the Celtics actually won Game 1, 120 to 120-108 against the Warriors in a big fourth-quarter comeback. They outscored the Warriors 40-16 to 16 in the last quarter to win the game. What do you guys have for me on Game 1 of the NBA Finals?
2: Al Horford, Jalen Brown combined 21 of Boston's um, fourth-quarter points. Um, huge comeback in the fourth. Tatum had one of the worst games, not in the playoffs, not this season of his career, And Boston still won most combined threes in any NBA Finals game either. I think the Celtics looked pretty good in that game.
1: As much as I wish we were watching the Heat, we aren't. So I was very impressed by the Boston Celtics. I really was. I know there was a graphic going around saying that the Celtics were like an 86% favorite. And I refused to believe that at first. And then I watched Al Horford play the lights out. And even with a crappy Jason Tatum performance... I was impressed by Boston. I really was, especially when Steph Curry was hitting all his shots at the beginning of the game. I was was like, this game is 100% over. There's no way that the Celtics win this. There's no way that the Celtics win this series. And then I watched the end of the game, and I was very, very, very impressed by how the Celtics were able to perform. And I think I give the Celtics much more of a chance now, and that game will be crucial down the stretch.
0: Yeah, Jason Tatum in Game One, mini Kobe as he is known around WZIP Sports by one person. By one person, kind of. I out I, by I agree with the take. I kind of do too, a little bit. I'm not
1: gonna lie. At I, first,
2: I made fun of it. It's it's actually not a bad take.
1: Do you think it's a little bit cringy though? How he's been doing all this Kobe stuff. Like, if that's something that motivates you personally, cool. That's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I think that's super cool. But the fact that he like posts everything and like. But like, the text to Kobe, like, that was that was for attention. But who spreads it, though? It's mostly the him. media. It's mostly the media that spreads that. Who am that. I
2: to judge? That's, right. that's just, just, just kind of how thing. I think about it. I don't care if idol, it's cringy. I don't care if you think it's cool, but I am just not one to judge. But
0: yeah, and if that's his idol, let him do what he wants. Yeah. He clearly had a special connection to Kobe, so I don't really mind it, and I usually think it's kind of cool when players do that, and – pay that respect to their idols especially one in kobe bryant but game one going back to that jason tatum shot three for 17 in the game not a great performance at all steph curry went off though in game one for the warriors 34 points five assists and five rebounds but like i said that 40 to 16 uh stat line in the fourth quarter made the warriors lose game one Boston shot 50.6% from the field, had nine more assists, more points in the paint, and fewer turnovers than Golden State. So they outplayed them in a lot of different categories. Game two, though, going down tonight at 8 p.m., the Warriors are four point favorites. Who do you guys have in this one, and what can we
1: expect? I think that Golden State bounces back tonight. I don't see Steph Curry losing two games in a row on his home floor. Um, Like I said, I give Boston more of a fighting chance now that I've seen they can prove they can win, but I don't see Boston coming away with two in a row in Golden State.
2: I also think Golden State will win
0: um, tonight. Yeah, I do have the Warriors bouncing back tonight, and even if they do bounce back, if Jason Tatum shoots the ball better, I'm not sure if that's going to trump the Warriors players and some of their role players playing better as well. My prediction, though... The Celtics come out hot in the first half, outscoring the Warriors by 10 or more. Warriors slowly chip away in the third quarter with the help of their fans. Warriors dominate the fourth quarter and tie the series 1-1. Heading to Boston, I expect the Warriors and their role players to step up tonight in Game 2. Is this like a must-win game for the Warriors, do you think? Uh,
2: yeah, I, I actually do think they have to win this game. Uh, And I don't think it's going to be easy for them either, and I'm not going to be surprised if Boston wins. Uh, It's weird when it gets to the finals with um, the Warriors because it almost always relies on Curry, Um, even though getting there isn't necessarily the case. But it all kind of just depends on Curry. If um, Boston keeps playing that soft drop against him, allowing him to get space off the picks and the screens, he doesn't care how far away he pulls up from. He's going to pull up. And he's going to make it. If they're struggling to switch players to get on Curry like the Cavs did for a long time, it's going to be a problem. And I think they might be able to switch it up a little bit and get the win tonight.
1: Logan, is this a must-win game for the Warriors? It is a must-win game for the Warriors. I don't think they can drop two games on their home floor against an apparently explosive team like Boston. They have a lot more key pieces than I thought. I've now watched them do it to my team, and I think they can do it to Golden State. I have no personal opinion on this series. Like I think both teams, I don't like either team, but I think that both teams have a serious chance to win. It's not lopsided in either direction. I think Golden State has to win on their home floor tonight. Otherwise, going back to Boston, as I've seen myself, difficult place to win. I don't think Golden State does as well in Boston you definitely have seen that yourself
0: but yes I I don't really agree that it's a must-win game for the Warriors actually just because of how talented they are and how hot they can get at any moment even if they're down by a lot going into a fourth quarter like Boston was in game one I know the Warriors have the guys on their roster that can make a complete comeback we've seen it time and time again especially in the playoffs and in the NBA Finals. They have a ton of experience. So even if they go down 2-0 on their home court, I still think there's a way that the Warriors could win if they rebound in Game 3. If they go down 0-3, obviously I would change my opinion, but I would see Game 3 as a must-win game for the Warriors if they go down 0-2. Not necessarily right now. I think if they go down 0-2, they're going to be okay, but definitely on the edge But the series overview though, just looking at the series entirely, I personally did not think the series was going to be competitive. I had Golden State winning this series in either four or five games. I gave Boston potentially the one game, but I really thought Golden
1: State was going to run away with this. Do you guys think it's going to be competitive down the stretch? Yeah, I do. I think, I still think that Golden State wins this series. I think they just have more experience and that matters down the stretch in the finals. I I think Steph Curry is really, really wanting that Finals MVP, and he's going to show out trying to get it. I I do give Boston, like I said, a little bit more of a fighting chance. I would would say Golden State in six. All right, Alex?
2: I got Celtics in six. I think it's going to be really competitive, and um, the Celtics have done nothing but surprise me um, throughout the entire season, and I think they will surprise a lot of other people. Um, And I think it'll be really competitive.
0: All right. Interesting there. So Golden State averaged 115.2 points per game in the Western Conference Finals against the Mavericks. They still managed to score 108 points, even with their role players not really stepping up in game one against the Celtics in the finals. I think it's going to be more competitive than I thought because I didn't have the Celtics winning a game on the road. But I still have the Warriors in either five or six games. I think the Warriors could win the next four. I'm not saying they will. Maybe the next four out of five and it'll go to six games, but I still do have the Warriors winning the NBA Finals as much as that pains me to say. But honestly, I'm kind of right there with you, Logan. I don't care what team wins. I don't like either team. And we'll just see how this NBA Finals plays out. So I mentioned role players quite a bit. The role players were non-existent in game one for some of these teams and the Warriors, especially... Their role players just did not show up. Which ones need to step up the most for each team?
2: For the Warriors, it's got to be Jordan Poole. Uh, for me, he's a, he's a great shooter all around. And I just think he needs to relax, find his rhythm. Uh, because Golden State needs more people that can shoot when Curry is cold. But m- more importantly, uh, that I don't think is getting talked about enough, is Draymond Green. 2 for 12, 0 for 4 from 3, missed all of his free throws. Uh, people don't necessarily think of Draymond Green as an offensive player as much as they do a defensive player. However, you are one of your team's key players, and he has made big shots in the past in the finals, so for him to miss that many uh, in the finals is kind of ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah, good analysis there
1: from Alex Logan. What role players need to step up? Uh, I would agree Jordan Poole needs to have a fantastic game for the Golden State Warriors. Um I would agree with Alex's analysis on that as well. And for the Boston Celtics, um, I think Peyton Pritchard needs to have a big performance. I think he's a big part of their offense recently, and he surprised me multiple times. If Peyton Pritchard is playing well, the Boston Celtics are playing well. That's what I would go with. For Golden State, I actually have four names listed here. That's
0: And they still scored 108 points, like I said, but four guys I think could have played better. In Game 1, two of them have already been mentioned in Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. Jordan Poole only scored nine points in Game 1, had two assists and two rebounds. Game 1 for Draymond Green, not that much better. 11 rebounds, four points, five assists. Like you said, Alex, not great shooting. Not known as a shooter, but still has made those shots in the past. The other two names I have, though, is one is Kevon Looney. In Game 1, he only had four points, five assists, and nine rebounds. And, you know, Kevon Looney... He's kind of turned into an all-star in some games in these NBA playoffs. And to see him only scoring four points in game one was kind of a surprise to me. And then another one I have is actually Klay Thompson. He only scored 15 points and had three assists and two rebounds in game one. Knowing Klay Thompson, he can go off in any game and only scoring 15 points. And he's supposed to be that number two guy behind Steph Curry. He's got to score more than just 15 points in the finals. you got to step up and you got to play to win these games for Boston. I know he's not really a role player, but we've talked about it. Jason Tatum has got to play better in game one, 12 points, 13 assists. We mentioned that 3-for-17 shooting, just awful there from the floor. And I also mentioned Al Horford. He had a great game one, but if he can keep that going, he's going to be a great role player that he can play with. You know that kind of production with other guys like Tatum, Brown, and Smart who are leading the way. So if Al Horford can keep it going, I expect great things for Boston. Uh, yeah,
2: I have two uh, different Boston players. Obviously, I think Tatum's pretty big, um, but I have Robert Williams. Uh, he's really good on both sides of the ball. But I overall, I want to see more out of Boston's aggressive offense, and I think that he can do that. And then Derek White, uh, he's a great defensive player. He didn't have a bad first game on paper, but he needs to be a key player in guarding Steph. Uh, like I was talking about, uh, people guarding Steph and being able to lock him up. You're not going to beat the, this team if you can't lock Steph. Uh, and Steph was kind of all over him if you watch the tape back. So uh, I definitely want to
0: see more out of Robert Williams and Derek White. All right, makes sense. That will do it for our NBA talk on today's Sports Power Talk. What a segment that was, breaking down the NBA Finals, and, of course, having our fun little roast of one Logan Congrove. Things got a little heated, but that's all right. You're just still going to sit there in your misery as all the Heat players sit on their couches watching Next this NBA Finals. Heat culture. hey, heat,
1: There's no substance to Heat culture. I can't stand that. Let me switch off that real quick before we go to break, though. Please tell me why the shield is beating the classic C right now in the post, in the Twitter poll. The, like the new C? Yeah. The shield is at 12%. Maybe because of and the sword? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know.
2: Or the nostalgia from the championship.
0: Yeah. Could be. We'll see. We'll see which uh, logo wins. But we're going to be back after the break with some MLB talk. We'll refresh some MVP standings and talk about the latest with our Cleveland Guardians. Of course, we have that Player of the Week segment as well. It's my favorite segment of the entire show. So stick with us here on WZIP. What's going on, everyone? We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of lake erie my name is jake morin and i am the host of your show today and today i'm joined by one fabulous analyst alex henry hey guys what's up and one not so fabulous analyst logan congrove heat culture dude that's even that's even worse
1: than your eric spolstra take heat culture that's even worse what even is heat Heat culture? culture If you're not a part of it, you don't understand it. (laughs) That's going to be the Uh, argument. Apparently. That's going to be the
0: argument going forward. Okay. Heat culture. Logan, you you had a way to defend yourself and just saying heat culture over and over again. Heat culture. That's just not the way
1: to defend yourself. That's not it. Heat culture. I actually just ordered a pendant with the Miami Heat logo on it. Of course you did. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I I do. heat culture.
0: I like your support for your team, but not when it gets toxic like this. Heat culture. Uh, whatever, man. Let's talk about MLB. Let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about the Guardians, my favorite segment of the week. Let's talk about the MLB and a contract extension that went down for the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez agreed to a six-year, $115 million extension with the Astros. The deal kicks in next season, and it is the largest contract given to a designated hitter in MLB history. What would you guys make of this Extension And what does this mean for the Astros going forward? It really helps the Astros a lot. Um, not the best defender,
2: but obviously very, 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 very great hitter. Uh, and I think it's going to help them probably lock in the West.
1: All right. I do agree with you. I would also agree with both of you. I think that the Astros are far ahead in the West, and this contract will help solidify that.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you guys. This season, Alvarez is batting 284 in 169 at-bats. He has 15 home runs, 33 RBIs, and has a 973 OPS this year. He is batting 444 with three home runs in his last seven games. So he's had a great week himself. And what this means for the Astros, look, they're already 34-19 and and second in the AL behind the Yankees. And this just proves that they aren't going anywhere and are willing to pay their hitters. So, unfortunately for MLB fans everywhere, because every everybody can't stand the Astros unless you are an Astros fan. Unfortunately, I don't think the Astros are going anywhere. Moving on, though, let's talk about the news out of Philly. When Joe Girardi was fired as the Phillies manager after the 22-29 and 29 start, they lost seven of their last nine games. That's... Um, and made the firing happen really and Girardi said we underperformed and that falls on me this is what happens Girardi went 132 and 141 as the Phillies manager and is a thousand and 120 and 935 in his career as a manager with one world series win what you guys make of the Phillies firing and what this means for their future
1: Good firing, to be honest. I think Joe Girardi is one of the most overrated managers in MLB history. Just because he has a World Series does not make him a good manager. He won a World Series with a really good Yankees team, and I think that this is good for the Phillies, and it's time to move on from a guy that's just extremely overrated. Yeah,
2: definitely good for the Phillies. However, I don't necessarily want to pin the reason they've been unsuccessful on a GM Uh, especially considering the season's already started and maybe a hot take, but I don't know if this team's
0: going to make the playoffs. Honestly, I don't know if that's a hot take at all. I could see the Phillies not making the playoffs and the Phillies, they're already super high in payroll at $224 million right now. They have all these star players, yet they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. They won their next game after the firing at 10-0 to against the Angels, which was kind of funny losing. Seven of the past nine, fire their manager, win 10-0 to against a, a talented team, even though they're struggling right now in the LA Angels. They do sit in third in the NL East behind the Mets and Braves. And honestly, I could see the Phillies either staying in third place or even falling behind the Marlins and their great pitching in that same division. So, I don't know, rough times ahead for the Phillies, but we'll see if they can pull it together. Let's also talk about Robinson Cano, as he was cut by a second team this year, this time by the Padres, the 39-year-old cut by the Padres after being cut by the Mets earlier on. What do you guys make of this Robinson Cano cut by the Padres? Does he have a future in this league? And has his legacy been hurt by this season? Uh, Yeah, I do think his legacy is hurt.
2: Um, And I usually wouldn't say that about a player later in their career. However, I think there is something to be said about being cut twice. I don't know. I do think another team will probably pick him up. uh, And he probably won't have very much playing time. But, yes, I am very... um, Undecided, unsure of if this is a future Hall of Famer or not.
1: I think Robinson Cano is a future Hall of Famer. I think that this hurts his chances, the way he's been playing as of recently. Uh, I think that he probably doesn't have much left, as in future-wise. I, I could see him probably being done, to be quite honest, which stinks, because I like Cano. I
0: think he should be done. And this season, at 12 games with the Mets, He went eight for 41, which is a 195 batting average, had one home run, three RBIs, 11 strikeouts, and two walks in that 12-game span, also played 12 games with the Padres, did even worse, batted three and 33, which is a .091 batting average with one RBI, 10 strikeouts, and one walk in that 12-game span, meaning that he batted 148 in his 24 games played this season. He's old. He missed all the 2021. He should not return to the league. And if you're asking me if he's a future Hall of Famer, some of his credentials proves that he should. You know, he's an eight-time All-Star. He has been a World Series champion. He finished top five in MVP voting four different times. His career stats, his batting average is still three oh one all all-time with a three fifty-one on on-base percentage, so that's not bad either. But for me, it all goes away because of his two PED suspensions, May 15th, 2018, he was suspended 80 games for PEDs. And then November 18th, 2020, he was suspended 162 games because it was his second offense, which is the reason why he missed all of twenty one, and probably the reason why he's been so terrible in 2022. You account for those two PED suspensions. To me, Robinson Cano is not a future Hall of Famer. And I think he's going to be one of those players that sure had a great career, but because of their... Uh, use of illegal substances they're
1: just not going to find the Hall of Fame in the MLB I didn't think about the PED suspension to be honest and the committee has proven that that does make a difference as in guys like Barry Bonds And I, I i think you're right I don't think he makes Hall of Fame now that I think about that I didn't think about that suspension
0: Yeah, missed all of 2021 because of it and honestly that's why I think he's playing so bad right now he's had such a, a long layoff that he just doesn't have it anymore Let's go to our MVP standings, though. Why don't we? A lot of fun here. MLB.com released their second list of MVP standings for the AL and NL. When they released their first one, we did the same exact thing. We had five players for the AL, five players for the NL. And with this new list, I'm going to critique it a lot. I disagree with a lot of it. I want to get your guys' thoughts on it as well. But let's start in the AL. MLB.com's list was Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez, Shohei Ohtani, and Rafael Devers. My list is completely different from this, but I want to start with you guys. Let's just start with number five right now.
1: Logan, I'll go to you first. Who do you have at number five? So my list is actually the same players, just ordered differently. I would say the only one that I keep the same is Rafael Devers at five. I think that, like MLB.com alluded to, Trevor Story is getting a lot of credit for the, res- the resurgence of the Red Sox offense. But Devers has been a huge part of it as well, but I still have him at five. I think that's their only correct pick in that in order.
0: All right. Alex, who do you have at
2: number five? 100% agree. I got Raphael Devers as well, and for all the same reasons that Logan just said.
0: So I told you my list was a little spicy before starting the segment. It already gets spicy here at number five. I don't have Rafael Devers in my top five here. And at number five, I actually have MLB.com's number one. I have Mike Trout here at number five. His batting average this year is low. It's at 278, which isn't bad, but it's just not Mike Trout caliber. And his 176 at-bats, he has 13 home runs, 28 RBIs, and a 965 OPS The Angels have lost 10 straight games, and in his last seven games, Mike Trout has batted 111 and has a 186 batting average in his last 15 games. So the Angels are down bad right now, and a big part of that is because of Mike Trout. And if you just look at the other stats, not only in MLB.com's list, but with players that aren't even featured on this list, there are so many players that are playing so much better. Than Mike Trout right now, not only better batting average, but better home runs, RBIs, everything. Mike Trout should not be number one. I can see him cracking the top five because his name is Mike Trout. He is one of the best
1: players of all time. I have him at number five, though. I don't hate that because I have Mike Trout at number four for for the same exact reasons. I don't need to repeat everything that Jake just said, but I have Mike Trout at four for the same reasons that Jake said. Alex, who do you have at number four?
2: So I got Otani here. Um, I don't have Mike Trout. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, dude's still a home run beast. Uh, maybe, you know, he's not number one like they have him,
0: but I'm not going to put him at number four. Man, Shohei Otani does not deserve to crack this top five list, in my opinion. Does not deserve it. Only because he's a two-way player. That's fair. I don't know. I think he gets I, a lot of credit because he pitches and bats, and that's why he's putting he's, his list. I, not And he's good at both. And this year, I don't know. Batting average of .243. That's a little subpar. And in pitching nine games, 47.1 innings pitch, 3-4 and four record with a 3.99 ERA. Definitely worse than his MVP season last year. He might be able to get it together, I think, He doesn't necessarily not deserve a top five spot in this list, but I have him out just because a lot of other players are playing much better than him. But like I said, he's got the name. They want to market him. They want to put him in these lists. He bats and pitches, so I feel like he's always going to be there. But I I rest my case. I don't think he should be there, but I know and I understand why a lot of people have him there. Number four for me, though, is a guy that wasn't picked by MLB.com. I have Ty France here from the Mariners. His batting average is 335 in his 209 at-bats. He has seven home runs, 36 RBIs, and an 890 OPS. And via Danny Vietti, hopefully I'm pronouncing that last name right, on Twitter, has re- or Ty France has reached base 95 times this season, which is first in the MLB, and no other AL player has reached base more than 83 times before yesterday's games. So Ty France getting... Almost disrespected in the AL right now. Reaches base a ton. Batting averages there. Kind of cooled off with his home runs, but RBIs still more than Mike Trout. Too that's why I have Ty France at number four. Who do you guys have at number three? Number three, I have
1: Shohei Ohtani. That's that's so silly. It is not silly. That's silly coming from a silly person. Oh, Jake, man, my I don't even know that much about baseball, and you are still gonna clown me. So I would say here's why I'm going to allude to the article from MLB.com. Shohei Ohtani has 20 RBIs, a .918 OPS in his past 24 games with seven homers. And I think that's pretty impressive. He's the reigning MVP. I don't see him falling out of this race, but I do have him at three.
0: I don't know. Shohei Otani's batting 184 in his last 15 games. That's really not impressive. Reason why the Angels are on their slide should be in the list, but... I don't expect anything more from a clown like Logan Congrove. Alex, go ahead. Well, I have Mike Trout. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you Mike Trout over Shohei Otani any day. That's okay. That's okay, Alex. Okay, cool. I'll give you slack there. But number three, I have Jose Ramirez from our very own Cleveland Guardians. I still have him at number three. MLB.com had him at number three. The two ninety eight batting average is there. 14 home runs tied for first in the MLB with RBIs at 53. And in his last seven games, he's batting three thirty three with three home runs and 10 RBIs. The GOAT is hot right now. And like the Cleveland Guardians Twitter always says, other MLB teams are jealous that they don't have Jose Ramirez on their team. Who do you guys have at number three?
1: At number three, oh, I said my number three already. Was that, yeah. Otani. Number two,
0: number two. Sorry.
1: Number two? Go ahead, number two. Number two, I have Aaron Judge right where he was put on the MLB.com list. Uh, the Yankees are a super impressive team, and Aaron Judge is a huge part of why they're impressive. Uh, again, according to the article from MLB.com, he has 18 homers and a six a .657 slugging percentage and has hit 12, 12 homers in the month of May. Extremely impressive. Aaron, judge it too.
2: Uh, I have Mr. Ramirez for all the many great reasons that Jake just listed. I think that he is finally truly, truly getting the recognition that he does deserve. And I feel that as the season progresses, he will only get recognized more.
0: I love the pick. I love the pick with our Cleveland Guardians being represented at number two. In the AL MVP list there from Alex. So number two for me, another guy that was not even named in MLB.com's list here. And I got to preface it with this. So since the Cy Young Award was created and given out in 1956, only 12 pitchers, nine of which were starting pitchers, have been named MVP. And I have a starting pitcher here at number two, his name, Nestor Cortez. Almost a lock for AL Cy Young at this point, unless he falls off. We'll see what happens. But... In 10 games and 60 innings pitched this year, he has a 5-1 record, a 1.50 ERA, which is second in the majors, 68 strikeouts, a .87 whip. He's only allowed seven earned runs in his last five starts and has gone seven or more innings in four of his last five outings. Just complete dominance there from Nestor Cortez, a guy who really didn't expect to play well and part of the reason why the Yankees are the best team in the MLB right now. Nestor Cortez, number two, and I'd like to see a pitcher win MVP again, because why not? It's been a while, and only 12 pitchers have done so since Young was created. Number one, though, give me your number one AL MVP right now. Alex, I'll go to you first.
2: Best player on the best team, Aaron Judge. Um, I, I think that's a fair pick. Um, but going to what you were saying about uh, Nester, it's really interesting that you say that. Like, you bring up all these good... St- Stats and these points, Uh, MLB has like other receiving votes underneath who their top five is, and I don't even see his name mentioned. Nah, his name's not even mentioned in the fifteen other players. Disrespects that they're talking about, but um, yeah, good good little research, good take right there.
0: I doubt if any starting pitchers are mentioned. And honestly, if your pitcher is so dominant, why not win MVP? You know, that's my take on that. But Logan. Who's your number
1: one MVP in the AL? My number one is Jose Ramirez from the Cleveland Guardians. And I know you guys probably think that's an emotional pick, but I just think that I do think he deserves it. I think he he proved that I think when Lindor left, a lot of people were saying that Ramirez could not carry by himself. And I think Ramirez has proved himself to be that star caliber player. And he is absolutely carrying the Cleveland Guardians right now. Important player to our team, important player to our league Jose Ramirez is is my number one. I do love
0: the pick there, but I'm going to agree with Alex here. Number one, AL MVP. It's got to go to Aaron Judge. He's batting 316 in his 193 at-bats. He leads the MLB in home runs with 21. He's on pace to hit 62 home runs this season. Also has 42 (laughs) RBIs and a 1.07 OPS, which is absolutely insane at this point of the season. And he's led the Yankees to the best record in baseball at 38-15. and 15. Aaron Judge, absolutely deserving of that number one spot. I have no idea why MLB.com has Mike Trout number one above this man who is batting lights out right now in the AL. But let's transition to the NL. MLB.com's list is Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo, and Bryce Harper. Let's start at number five. Alex, I will go to you first. I
2: have Pete Alonzo.
0: It's totally fair. Awesome. I also have Pete Alonso here. Pete Alonso, 285 in his 207 at-bats, 16 home runs, 53 RBIs. Actually just tied Jose Ramirez for the most RBIs in MLB at 53 with his two home run and five RBI performance last night against the Dodgers. Logan, who do you have at number five? Pete Alonzo. Makes total sense. I like this. We're finally making sense here with this
1: MVP list. Number four, who do you guys have and why? Number four. A uh, man that is not on the list, as much as I dislike him, Francisco Lindor. And here is why. Francisco Lindor was sliding at first, and he has finally started to come back to his former self. And he's very important to the Mets. He's bringing the Mets to fruition as a as a franchise in the MLB. Uh, I have Francisco Lindor at four for those reasons. I don't hate the pick.
2: I also actually have Francisco Lindor wow, written down, typed down on my notes. Um but yeah, for the same exact reasons, he's he's a very good player um, when he, I almost said, I I almost said he's a very good player when he's playing good. But at the same time, as much sense as that doesn't make, it kind of does make a little bit of sense. If you know what I mean.
0: I, I get what you're saying. You get I what do. I'm saying. I do. I hope other people understand what you're saying too, Alex.
2: But yeah, my brain, you know, it works in <laughs> mysterious. mysterious Mysterious I'm going to stop talking. We can
0: go to number three. <laughs> uh, my number four, though, I have Manny Machado here. He was number two on MLB.com's list, batting 342, Um high in home runs with nine, high in RBIs with 32, but a two twenty two batting average in his last seven games doesn't cut it. I think other players are playing better than Manny Machado right now. And at number three,
1: Logan, who do you have? Number three, I also have Manny Machado for the same reasons.
0: All right, makes sense. Alex, number three. I also have Manny Machado at number three. Look at you guys. Same list to this point. Yeah, We'll see if that changes. Number three, I have another starting pitcher here. I'm sure this man got zero votes because that's how MLB.com operates. But Sandy Alcantara in 11 games and 70 74.2 innings pitched. He has a 7-2 record, a 1.81 ERA, 71 strikeouts, and a .98 whip fourth in the MLB in ERA and has only given up five earned runs in his last six starts. In his last five starts, he has pitched seven innings or more, has a .69 ERA and a 40 to six ratio in strikeouts to walks. This man is the most dominant pitcher in the MLB right now, should definitely be on this list. I have him at number three. Number two, though, we'll kick it to Alex here. Who do you have? So Sandy did actually make it in other receivers, did he? Modes. How
2: many did he get? It doesn't even it say. It doesn't say. Okay, but that's something.
0: Yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll take it. You'll take I'll it. I'll take it.
2: Uh, I got Mookie Betts here, though,
1: at uh, number two. I love this list from you, Alex. I have Paul Goldschmidt at number two. I have him number two. Fantastic player, but I just think he's still slightly behind my number one.
0: All right, I'm aggr- I'm in total agreement here with Alex. I have Mookie Betts. At number two, in his last 15 games, he is batting 433 with eight home runs. He's been electric as of late. He leads the league in runs scored with 52, and second is Tommy Edmond with 43. So he's miles ahead of the second guy in terms of runs scored. He's playing well right now, but I have a guy at number one. His name is Paul Goldschmidt. 342 batting average, 383 batting average in his last 30 games. 47 RBIs for Goldie, and his 25-game hitting streak might have come to an end yesterday. But he has reached base safely in 41 consecutive games. Plus, he's tied for third in the league in a batting average. Paul Goldschmidt deserves all the love he's getting right now and more. I I have him at number one. Alex, do you have a number one?
2: Might as well call in Paul Goldschmidt because go. that's I love it.
0: Also, I who I it.
2: have at number one: 25 consecutive hits is very wild. Um and actually much, much deserving. Um, MLB's website has him, where do they got him? A number three? A number three. I believe, yeah. So that's, that's, I would say that's disrespectful.
0: Definitely above Manny Machado. I can see how some people would put Mookie above Paul right now,
1: but no. Goldie is one of the best players in the MLB right now. I will be putting Mookie above Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Mookie Betts was absolutely unstoppable this past month in May, and... I think that will continue through the remainder of the season, and he will prove to be the MVP. Although, I see where you guys are coming from as well. Just as you said, you see people, you how people could put Mookie ahead of Paul. I think that's neck and neck, but I have Mookie one.
0: All right, makes sense. Those are our MVP list. Before we wrap up Sports Power Talk... I don't think we're going to talk about the Guardians enough today, but let's get to our Player of the Week segment. Each of us picks one MLB player to feature for Player of the Week, regardless of position, and can be for accomplishments on or off the field. This is the third week we're doing this. Logan, we might have picked the same player again. I'm hoping
1: we didn't. Who do you have for Player of the Week? I have Carlos Cookie Carrasco. And I think this, not I don't think, I know... This is an emotional pick because Carlos Carrasco has been pitching in this league for many years. And this past week, his father was able to see him pitch for the first time in person, which is absolutely awesome. I love Cookie. I actually worked for the Akron River Ducks. And when he was rehabbing for the Ducks, I was sitting downstairs and he came, he came out of nowhere, walked around the corner... Asked if I knew where the bathroom was, and I said, yes, could I take a picture with you? And he said, yes, absolutely. I love Carrasco, and I thought that was pretty cool about his dad. Same one, but shout-out
0: to Front Office Sports Twitter page, at FOS. They really brought this to light for me. I tweeted about it, and in Carlos Carrasco's career, he's pitched for 11 years. He's beat leukemia. He's taught himself English. He's, became, he's become a U.S. citizen. He's won 95 games, and like you alluded to, Logan, his father, who lives in Columbia, who's never seen him pitch live in the MLB, did so on Wednesday, live, in person, sat in the crowd. There's a video of him cheering on his son from the crowd. It was an emotional experience, especially when Cookie was battling leukemia for the Guardians back in the day. Cookie, I wish him all the best. He is my player of the week. Alex, who is yours? I have... Sorry, I don't have the emotional pick,
2: but no. I have...
0: I like stats, too. I like stats, too. <laughs> I have
2: Paul Goatschmidt. Um, and for the reasons I've mentioned, 25 consecutive hits, uh, 41 consecutive times uh, on base, or that he's made it to base, he's lighting
0: up, and he has played very good this week. All right. I don't hate the pick there either, and we are well out of time for today. We talked about the newly retired NFL players, AFC rankings, Cavs rebranding, along with a roast of Logan Congrove, Gross. the NBA playoffs, and the MLB
1: with the latest with our Cleveland Guardians. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen? Final thoughts for me. Uh, around the Rue is popping right now, 38 votes. B is currently in the lead with 45%, even though I said that's not a bad pick. It's still a good pick. Keep on voting around the Rue at WZIP Sports. Shout out Haley, shout out Maggie, shout out Paul McCartney. Good concert, man.
2: Um. Yeah, that's that's it for me, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Love it, Alex. For me, I would have to say go Browns, Cavs, and Guardians. I wish the best of the players in the NFL that retired this week, especially Alex Mack, as he waits for his invitation to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Logan, I still don't like you, but I appreciate your support for your team, even when they lose after you guarantee that they'll win. Heat culture means absolutely nothing to Heat me. Heat culture, though. baby. Get out of here. Check out WZIP Sports Podcast, SBT Overtime, and SBT Rewind on all podcasting platforms today. Alex and I will be in the booth tomorrow getting an exciting UFC show up, so look out for that. Lastly, follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports to participate in this week's Around the Roof question with the Cavs logo. You heard it from Logan. It's popping right now. Joining me for today's show
1: were Alex Henry, Logan Congrove.
0: We will see you next week, same time and place. I have been your host, Jake Murrin. Until then, be kind and have a great Sunday, everyone.